The following is brought to you by Canyon Ridge Church at Tacoma. For additional podcasts or information on service times and upcoming events, please visit us online at www.explorecrc.com. What is the ultimate goal of every single day? If you're not a Christian, then today's a great day for you because you're going to get to see the inside or get to see the thinking of a Christian or what it's like to be a Christian, a follower of Christ. What is the ultimate goal every single day for a follower of Jesus Christ? Now, I can tell you what my goals are for my life or what my goals are for the church or maybe my goals for a particular month, but... Every single day? Now, what is the ultimate goal of every single day? The thing that takes precedence over everything else that you would plan throughout your day. More important than making money. Wow. Wow, what could be more important than making money? More important than all your relationships. Wow. What could be more important than all your relationships? More important than personal discipline. Not all of us agree with that one either. More important than worship and prayer. So now you're really thinking, what in the world is he talking about? This is more important than all of these things. What can it be? It's in 2 Corinthians. So if you have a Bible, you can find 2 Corinthians in the New Testament. And let me give you the the context. The Apostle Paul, he's talking in this whole chapter about death. He's talking about the end of his life. And when you die, what happens to you when you die? What happens to your body? Do you go to heaven? Do you go to hell? Where do you go? And you know when you're young, you don't really think about this. You don't think about it in terms of of actually going to heaven and being with God. But you know what? When you hit 50 and you get close to 50, you start thinking about that. Because you've lived your life now and you know you got about 25, 30 years as an adult. And you realize, you know what? I've only got another 25, 30 left. And it really gets you thinking about, okay, what's going to happen when I die? What's going to happen when I get to heaven? What is heaven like? So Paul's talking about this, and he's telling us that, that when you die, this is what happens. So here we go, verse 9. I'll read it for you. You can follow on the screens. He says this, So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please him. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. He says right here 
that the goal of every single follower of Christ has the same goal every single day of your life, every year of your life, everyone, the same goal, and that is to please the Lord. Do you think about that? Do you start your day with that kind of thinking? Today is a day to please God. Do you please the Lord with your living, how you live? Do you think to yourself, Lord, I want to please you today, and I, and I hope that everything that I do is pleasing in your sight. How can I please you, God? You ever ask yourself that question? How about this one? Looking back on the day, was my day pleasing in your sight, God? Paul gives us a very powerful motivation for wanting to please God every single day. Very powerful motivation. He says that our motivation is that when you die, you will be judged by God. All the Christians will be judged. All the non-Christians will be judged. Everyone will stand before God and be judged for what they have done with their life, both good and evil. Now, those who are found in Christ, those who have faith in their heart in Jesus Christ, they will be spared the judgment. But those who do not, they will receive judgment. But God will be judging all Christians right along. Non-Christians will all be judged as well for every good deed that we have done. How faithfully we have used our time. How well we have pursued the opportunities that God has given us. How single-minded have we been to live a life pleasing to the Lord. And here's a scary thought. The Bible tells us that some people will have lived their whole life thinking they're going to heaven, that they've been pleasing God, only to find out that all of it has been an abomination to God and they are going to be sent to hell. How can that be? How can that be? How can a person think all their life they've been serving God and loving him and obeying God end up in hell? It just doesn't seem possible. And yet, listen to what Jesus said to the men of God of his day. Matthew 23. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. 
These were the righteous people of Jesus' day. The godly people. These are people who came to church and played church games. You know what church games are? That's where you lie to your boss and to your friends. You cheat your customers and you cheat your employees and you lie to your parents and you lie to your spouse and you're rude and obnoxious and dirty and filthy and all of that all week long and then show up on Sunday morning and all is well. Everything is great. I love you, God. I'm a follower of Jesus, and I'm here because I'm a Christian. You come to church all week long. You've been living to please yourself. You come in and pretend everything is fine. Is it possible then, is it possible to do all of that all week long and then come to church and still please God? Is that possible or are we all doomed? (laughs) Yes, it is. In fact, that's the good news. It is possible. So you can live like that all week long, come to church, and you know how do you please God? By coming into the worship in humility and brokenness. With a sorrowful, contrite heart that says, Oh God, oh God, forgive me of my sins. Jesus was teaching with his disciples and people were coming into the synagogue to pray. And Jesus said there was a man of God there and he came and he prayed out loud so everyone could hear. And he said, Oh God, I thank you that I'm not like the sinners, that I'm not like the bad people. And then the other man, he came in and he was beating his chest and he was saying, oh God, have mercy on me, a sinful man. And Jesus said that this man's prayers were heard and the other man's were not. You know, there's another requirement for church behavior that I want you to see. This is so important. This all ties together. It's in 1 Corinthians 13 and I'll be speaking from this chapter more next Sunday on Valentine's Day. But let me just look at the first three verses. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but don't have love, I am... Nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Do you know that what we're trying to teach at Canyon Ridge and what we're trying to model for you and what we're trying to see happen in all of our lives is more love. You see, the only way we can have true unity as a church and as brothers and sisters 
is with love. If there's no love here, there'll never be unity. And you know why? Because we disagree all the time. I know because you send me your letters. And you know, you know those um, birthday cards, you open them up and, and they play music, you know? They open up as a ding, 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 whatever. Or it's a, you know, a barking dog or a phrase or something. You, know, you open the card. So I was thinking about this connection card. We should rename it, okay? So it's not called connection card anymore. It's called the whining card. And when you open it up, it goes, And so I want to just remind you, remind you, this genius of this card came because we wanted to value connecting with guests because they're hard to connect with, right? You come as a, a guest and you don't know anybody and you don't know anything and it feels weird. You're like, what's going on here? And, you know, am I going to be hit with lightning or what's gonna, are they going to throw me out or are they going to take all my money? And, I mean, you've got all this fear. And so what can we do to come up with a way to connect with guests and make them feel comfortable and realize it's okay? You're just like us. We're just on this journey of faith. It's all right. And so we came up with this. But... If we said all the guests need to reach out and pull out your connection card, well, then they all feel weird. It's like, well, okay, I'm a guest. I guess I'm a guest, and nobody else in your row is filling out the card, and so you feel like a, kind of a weirdo. So what we did was everybody fills out the card. The whole church, everybody fills out the card. Then the guests think that they're just like everybody else, and it's okay. You see? So I reminded you. And so if you have a prayer request or a positive comment about my clothing, you can put it on this card. Everything else, call me on Monday. We have a way to go in loving one another. We have a long way to go. But if we can get each of us to love one another, for you to love the person next to you and the person in front of you and the person behind you, for you to love them, that love will cover a multitude of sins. And we can disagree all the time, just like we normally do. We disagree about the color of the church. We disagree about this ministry and that ministry and this decision and that decision. And why did Pastor Matt do that? And why can't the worship be this and this and this? We disagree all the time, every week, a thousand ways. But if we have love, it's okay. Because we prefer one another. And although I disagree with you, I love you, and it's okay. We still have fellowship. So love is so critical. It's what we've got to have. It's what we are hoping you will have with us, love. Now, is it possible that you could live your entire life thinking that you're going to heaven 
but actually end up going to hell. Is that possible? The answer is yes. And if that's the truth, I wonder if it's even possible to please God. Is it even possible to please God? Any one of us, can we please God? Well, the answer is yes and no. If you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, if you are not a believer, it is impossible for you to please God. You cannot please him at all. And we know that's true from Romans 8, 7 and 8, Paul said, For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's law, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. See, the believer is not under control of his sinful nature anymore. That has died in Christ. So he's talking of the unbeliever can never please God. And in Hebrews eleven six, we saw a couple weeks ago that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So you're going to have to, if you're going to please God, you must have faith. Unbelievers do not. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 1. As for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God. As in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. So is pleasing God expected of God? Does God expect the believer to please him every single day? And the answer is yes, but even more so. He says, yes, it is expected because we're asking you to do this. You've you've got to do this. And then he takes it even further. He says, we plead with you. We urge you to do this for your own sake. So yes, God is expecting you to please him every day with your life. And in fact, it is really, really good for you. Really good for you. If you do this, if you live your life this way, this is a great way to live. So one huge question immediately comes to mind. Immediately is how? How in the world can I please God with my life? And how can I please him every single day? How can that be a goal of my life? I know that I must. I know that my life will be better if I do. I just don't know how. Honestly, honestly, I don't know how. Well, There's no way to know how to please God until you know what pleases him. You've got to know what God loves and what he hates. God forbid that we would be like the Pharisees, that we would do all the things that God hates unknowingly, thinking we're doing what's right, we're actually doing what's wrong. So you've got to know what does God love and what does God hate 
It begins with that. Well, how are you going to know what God loves and what God hates? There is only one way to know. That is the scriptures in your Bible, in the word of God. The Lord lays out for us clearly in plain English right there for us what we've got to do to please the Lord. And it tells us, it gives us lots of warnings. Watch out. This doesn't please God. Pride. Pride is not pleasing to God. So avoid it. Don't do it. Don't let it be there. Root it out. Get rid of that one. That's not a good one. You see, so the scriptures teach us, well, that's got to scare some of you because if you're a brand new beginner, you know, you're just starting out on this journey, you don't really know what the Bible says and you're going to be like, wow, there's a minefield here. I better figure out what the Bible says real quick. Well, there's grace. (laughs) We learn as we go, you know. And so we have this thing called repentance and humility. And so if you walk in humility and you say, you know, I haven't got it all figured out yet. I'm still sinning. I'm still figuring this out. You're okay. You're okay. It's when you say you've got it all down, you're in trouble. That's when you're about to trip up and fall. And so there is literally no way possible for me today to tell you every single way that you please God in every single way that everything he hates. There's no way. I mean, we'd sit here for hours and hours and days on end going through every page of the Bible and you would hate that. So you can't read the whole Bible today. So what are you going to do in our anger or excuse me, in our ignorance, we can anger the Lord. Well, humility, a transparent heart, honesty, openness, it protects us. But let me tell you what you can do. This is what you can do to please the Lord. And that is to read the Bible and pray. Now that order is so important. It's so important to read and then pray. Because if you do it the other way around, let's say you pray and then you read, what's going to happen is you're going to interpret what you read through what you prayed. And that's backwards. Okay? You want to pray through what I read. Then that's correct. See, I'm reading the Word of God and then I'm praying that way. And so I'm praying correctly and I'm interpreting my prayers through the scriptures. So, so very important. I'm excited about this uh, workshop that's coming up on Saturday the 20th because I, I think in my own life there are kind of two sides of prayer. On this one side over here is the John who uh, could pray three minutes and after three minutes I've said everything that I can think of and I sit there and I say, well, that's all there is. Or fall asleep. One of the two. Along with that inability to pray came with a great deal of frustration, condemnation. Like I'm a bad Christian, I'm a bad person. You know, God has other people that are really good that can pray, but I'm just a horrible Christian. That's John here. Then over here, John, over there, this John can pray for a full hour and it not be enough. 
And the hour go by, boom, fast, just like that. And not enough. And in my heart, longing and begging for more time. Is there anything I can do to get more time with you, Lord? And then looking throughout the day to where to fill in more and more and more, get more, more time with God. And so you look at those two, two, two Johns and they're very, very different. Right? And so at this workshop, I'm going to share with you beginners how I went from this side to this side. And you can too. You can too. Even beginners can go from this side to this side, and I can show you how to do that. We'll do that on the 20th. Read and pray. Look at Proverbs 15 and 8. It says this. The Lord detests the sacrifice of the wicked, but he delights in the prayers of the upright. Look at that. Could God see worship as an abomination? Yes, he most certainly can. He does. He does. The worship of the wicked, the Lord detests. But notice the next part. But he is in delight when his people pray. When you and I pray, when followers of Christ pray, we delight the Lord. He loves it when you pray. He is excited for you when you pray. And God is attentive and he's listening and he's focusing completely on you when you're in prayer and he wants to commune with you in that. He's so delighted when you pray. God loves us and he loves it when we pray, when we make him our priority. You see, I think sometimes we think God is dumb. That he can't tell the difference between a heart that is into it and a heart that is just going through the motions. He can't tell the difference between true, real hunger for God and lip service. Especially I see this in our giving. Because a lot of people, they give to God and doesn't, it could be money, could be time, could be their service, anything, whatever it is. But they give to God leftovers. They don't give them the best. They don't give them the first. They don't give them that which is very precious and took a lot of energy and hard work to get. They give him leftovers. And don't you think that he knows that? He knows that. He sees that. And it doesn't please him. What else can we give to God then? If we can pray and in our prayer we please the Lord, is there anything else we have to give God? The problem with that is that he doesn't need anything. 
He needs nothing. He is completely self-sufficient. He is full of joy. The Trinity gives him just incredible love and joy. And he's encircled in that love and that joy. He's infinitely joyful, infinitely loved, and has absolutely zero need of anything. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need me to lead this church. I'm not doing him any favors. He could come in here and lead this a whole lot, billion times better than I could. I'm not doing favors for him. My service for him. You know, Isaiah said that our righteous acts are like filthy rags. You're not doing God any favors. The only thing that we can give God that is truly, genuinely ours to give and something that he will cherish is thirst. We can give God our thirst. We can come to him with a thirsty soul and a thirsty heart. And that is the greatest gift for him. He loves for that. He longs for us to come to him with our thirst and say, Lord, I'm thirsty for more of you. I've got to have you. I've got to have you. I've got to know you. i got to be with you. I need to feel you. I need to walk with you. I must have you. That's something that we can give God. I love how the Message Bible uh, records Psalm 42. It says this, I want to drink God. Deep drafts of God. I'm thirsty for God alive. You know, it's like the, the, the cool, windy draft on a, on a summer day where the, where the window comes open and this cool wind blows in. There's the Spirit of God, and he's saying, I just want to drink that up. I want to consume God. I want to get that in me. thirst so we've got a we've got a, a few choices to make one is are you going to live each day with your heartfelt attempt to please the lord and we do our best we never really attain it we never get there like i said when you arrive that's when they close the lid but it's that heart that says, I want to. I know, Lord, that I, I sin and I know I, I, I blow it all the time. I fail. But I want to please you. I want to. Show me. Teach me. Help me to live a life that's pleasing in your sight. The Lord delights in that kind of prayer. And if you don't have that, then you're just living your life on your own terms. You're just doing it your way. You're doing your thing. You're, you're living your priorities in your life and what you want and what you want to do. And, and it's all you, 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 you. And you have no idea whether or not that pleases God or not. You're just living life in the flesh. It's all your own strength. It's all you. It's all... 
what you've got, and God isn't a part of it. Sometimes people choose to live their life apart from God. They don't want him involved. They don't want him to be a part of it. And Christians do the same thing. Do the same thing. They say, God, I want you in this part of my life, but not over here. Don't make me go there, God. I I don't want to do that. I want to do this. I surrender all, but not that. And you can't have your cake and eat it too. It's either a life of surrender or it's you on your own terms. You want to hear something really scary. I mean, this is, this is mind-boggling scary. You talk about horror film. This is it right here. Okay? Some guts and gore, bloody. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple... You must take up your cross to follow me. What was he talking about? The little 24 carat The one that's on the roof? No. No. What he's talking about is you dead. So you're living for him now, no longer you. I wonder how that would change your thinking about planning out your life. What's the goal for tomorrow? The goal is to please the Lord. To please the Lord in all that I do. So I'm trying to please the Lord in my work, in being a husband and a father and a friend and a leader, I'm trying to please the Lord in my finances and in my sex life and in my thought life and in my free time. And I'm trying to please the Lord in all of my life. It changes me. I become a different person. And what happens is when you do that for a long period of time, 10 decades, what happens is you become more and more and more and more like Jesus. And less and less and less and less like the person you were. There's a wonderful promise in Romans chapter 10. The book of Romans is amazing. I encourage you to read it sometime. But Romans 10, 9 and 10. It's a part of what we refer to as the Romans road. But here's this promise from God. It says... If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. So he's saying there that all you have to do To be saved from all of this is to put your faith in Jesus. Put your faith in Jesus, declare that he's your Lord, your Savior, and then 
He will help you live a life pleasing in his sight. If you'll listen, if you'll listen, if you'll submit to his leadership, God brings accountability in our life. He's, he brings accountability like no one else. And so it doesn't matter where you're at today, where you came in at, where you're at on your journey. It doesn't matter. Everybody's at a different place. But what does matter is you can't stay there. Got to move along this path of becoming more pleasing in his sight. You don't do it because uh, we're trying to attain some nirvana. We're not doing it to try and be more spiritual. You're doing it out of love. I do the laundry. I sweep the floor. I do dishes pay the bills, I work every day, I do these things because I love joy. I love this woman. I don't do them because she tells me I have to, because she never does. I don't do them because it's in some rule somewhere. No, I do it because I love her. And because of that, I do it with joy, double joy. I want to. I want to. That's our motivation for wanting to please God is because we love him, because he loves us. He's so amazing. I want my life to be pleasing in your sight, Lord. And maybe you're here today and you're hearing all of this and you're thinking, boy, my life is not. I I don't live each day to please the Lord, but I want to then today you can start. You can start right now, today. And tomorrow and the next day, you know, you can start with that. I want to please you, Lord. This prayer guide is a great help to you. It'll help you in thinking along that as you pray each day. You can add that to your prayer. Lord, help me be pleasing in your sight today. I pray that our church is pleasing to God. That I don't want anything that our church does to be something that God doesn't want. It has to be all what he wants. And we should each live our own lives the same way. So let's pray right now. And and I'll pray out loud, but you pray in your own heart. You pray in your own mind. God can hear your thoughts. So you can pray in your mind and God will hear everything you say. And I just want, I wonder if there's anyone here that needs to just come back to Jesus. You've wandered away. You've wandered far and your heart is far from God. And today you feel him calling you back, saying, I love you. I love you and I want to be close with you. Maybe you could just reach out to God and say, God, I'm so sorry. I wandered away, but I'm back. Help me live a life pleasing to you. And maybe you're here listening and you don't even know God. You're not a Christian. You, you thought you were or, or, or you, you, you wanted to be, but you realize you're not. And you can just pray and ask God to be your Savior. Say, Lord, I want you to be my Savior. And I put my faith in you. And then begin the process of learning to love Jesus. So, Father... We all come before you at different places in our journey, but I pray, Lord, for those who are considering giving their heart to you, and I pray that you would give them courage. 
that the conviction of the Holy Spirit would take root and produce the fruit of righteousness in their life. And Lord, for all of my friends who have wandered away and drifted off and hearts have become become cold, Lord, I pray you would uh, turn them around today and bring them in, cultivate new faith and new love, new commitment to you to live a life pleasing in your sight. And we all pray this, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen.